Hear these words of scripture. As soon as they left the synagogue, they went with James and John to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. And so he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. These words are from long ago for all the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Friends, as I mentioned at the beginning of worship, we're in week two of a sermon series called Unhurried, Graceful Living. Last week, we introduced the concept of a rule of life. A rule of life isn't something that somebody else puts on you that you have to do. A rule of life is something that we choose for ourselves with God's help, a structure that we give our lives a set of practices and relational rhythms that support our desire to put Jesus at the center of everything that we do. Our hope and our goal as people of faith is to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, and to do what Jesus did. So a rule of life helps us structure our lives to be and to become and to do. It's a structure that gives us freedom it's also a structure that gives us limits. And so last week, we set up the ideal way to live with one word, abide. The ideal is to abide with Christ, to live life with Jesus at the center. Jesus invites us for the whole of our lives, not just for some of our lives, not just for part of it, not just for this sliver or this fraction over here, to be with him, to become like him, to do what he did, to abide we celebrated last week that a life with Jesus can happen anywhere. It's not a sliver of our life. It's all of our life, everywhere, anywhere. We talked about that ideal, which is abiding, and we also talked about our reality, which is hurry. Hurry is the opposite of abiding. We are always hurrying from one thing to the next. Do you feel this way? Got to hurry from one thing to the next thing, and we've got to stop. Not to eliminate everything that we're doing so that our calendar is free and clear every second, every moment of the day, but rather stop so that we can focus on who God is actually calling us to be and what God is actually calling us to do so that we can be and become and do like Jesus. 
So for the next few weeks, what Pastor Pete and I will be preaching through is some of the ways that we can unhurry. We're not going to preach through a rule of life and tell you exactly how to do this, that, or the other. Rather, we want to talk about some of the things that prevent us from living deeply and fully into the life that Christ calls us to. And so today, we're going to be talking about limits. Let's pray. God, you who are infinite... Remind us of our finite goodness. In these moments, speak to us a word of challenge and a word of hope through the power of your Holy Spirit. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. What do you want to be when you grow up? This is a question we ask kids of every age, eight months. I'm only slightly exaggerating. Eight years, 18 years. If you would have asked me when I was eight years old, I would have told you a ballerina princess or a princess ballerina, uh, whichever one comes first, I don't know. If you would have asked 18-year-old Katie, she would have told you a high school history teacher. Now I'm an adult and I do this. (laughs) I did not have this for myself when I was eight or 18, I will tell you what. Um, I realized about a year ago, a year and a half or so ago, uh, at this point in my life, there's just some things I'm never going to do. I'm not going to become a ballerina princess. There are no more princes in the world to marry, and I'm already married, so that's out. I'm not going to be a ballerina. I don't know if you've ever seen me walk, but I walk into doors, I don't know, like seven times a day. I'm just not graceful. It's just not what God has for me. I love to teach, and I get to do a lot of teaching as part of my role as one of your pastors here, but I'm probably not going to go back to school to get my high school history certificate at this point. And if I'm real honest with you, I have forgotten uh, most of the dates in world history except the Norman invasion of England. Like, that's what I got. That's what I got. That's all I am. Most of my facts are gone but I just have a little bit. I'm never going to be the president of the United States and live in the White House. I'm not going to be an astronaut and walk on the moon. I'm never going to be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and have a million dollars in the bank. And I will tell you what, this gives me a deep breath of freedom when I say this. It's okay with me. I know that I have potential, absolutely, but I also know that I have limits that there are just some things that I will never do, some things I will never be. I can't do it all, and I can't be it all. And I say this to people now in casual conversation. I share my epiphany with people, and some folks are all right with it, but you'd be surprised the number of people who are not okay with this. I'll say these things, and they'll say to me in response, you don't know that. William Shatner went to space when he was 90. (laughs) He did. There's still time for you, they say. And I'll say, I do know that. I basically have to be tranquilized to get on a plane, so it's just not going to happen for me. It's true. (laughs) You've never gone on a mission trip with me. It's going to be an adventure. Boundaries and margins and limits. We are part of a society where these are bad words because we want to do it all. 
We want to boldly go where no one has gone before to traverse the boundaries of exploration and time and space. We want to have it all, the perfect house, the perfect marriage, the perfect car, the perfect relationships, the perfect job, the perfect bank statement. This is our world. We push past every boundary. We defy every limit. We live without margins. You know what the best word in our world is? It's not no. It's yes. Yes. If we can, then we should. Yes, you can do that. Do anything you want, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. Yes, you can be that. We tell our kids, eight months, eight years, 18 years old, be anything you want to be. Don't let anybody tell you any different. You can be anything. We are limitless. Our lives are just one big yes. Our bodies can do anything. Our schedules can accommodate anything. Our minds can learn anything. Thank you, Google. Our relationships can withstand anything. Our kids can achieve anything. We're limitless. One big yes. Shouldn't that be freeing? Shouldn't that be life-giving? We should be living in the happiest, most peace-filled time in human history. Are we? We're not. We live in one of the most anxious worried, exhausted, unhappy times in human history. Why? There's a lot of reasons. Here's one. There's too much to do. There's not a lot to do. There's too much to do. There's too much to do. There's more to do in any one day, in any one week, in any one month than we could hope to do. We're overloaded, not just some of the time, but all the time. There's a author and medical doctor. His name is Dr. Richard Swenson. He writes about overload in a book that is entitled Margins. It's very convenient. He lists in his work dozens of kinds of overload. Here are just a few. Activity overload. There's always something to do, isn't there? There's always a place to be, someplace to go, work, school, home. We're with family, with friends, with strangers. There's always something to do change overload. Is the world changing faster than you can keep up? Politically, environmentally, socially, culturally, change overload, choice overload. The average adult makes 35,000 remotely conscious decisions a day. 35,000 decisions in a day. Commitment overload. Everywhere everyone is asking for your yes in an email, in the store, in the car, at school, at work. Everybody wants your yes, and we often give our yes. Information overload. Did you know a single edition of the New York Times, so one day of the New York Times, has more information in it than an average person in the 17th century had access to in their entire life? One day, an entire life. What's the diagnosis? We're chronically overloaded. We're marginless. And so what do we do in the face of overload? We sure don't limit ourselves. No isn't a very good word. If we can, then we should. And after all, you can't have too much of a good thing. More is better. What do we do? We hurry. We live in a hurry culture. We don't drop anything. 
So the only way to cram it all into a day or a week or a month or a season is to speed up. We live at an unsustainable pace. We have pushed ourselves past our limits in almost every avenue of our lives. We work more than is healthy. We spend more than we have in the bank. We ask more of the planet than we have to give, than it has to give. We ask more energy and more time and more resources of ourselves than that which brings us life, more of our bodies. We expect more of our relationships. Is it more better? Modern life has devoured our margin, and it's killing us. We live at a pace. We live at a capacity where we can't do anything well. Certainly our pace, our capacity makes it really tough to live in love, which is the great commandment that God gives our lives, yours and mine. It's tough to care for ourselves and the people in our house and the people that we love and are close to us. It's tough for us to serve and love our neighbors. It's tough to notice and nurture a relationship with God who loves us. Who has the time? And I'll say, I say this as a critic. I say this as your pastor. I look at the lives that, that you live and I love you and I care about you and I say this as a critic, but I'll also say that I say this about myself about someone, this is deeply, deeply true for me. We're chronically overloaded, and hurry isn't the cure. If we got more time in a day, that wouldn't be the cure either. If I gave you six more hours, you'd fill six more hours. This is who we are. What we need is margin. What we need is time and space and leeway. Margin is the space between what's possible in our lives and what's practical for our lives. We need margin. Does your life have margins? If I asked you that classic Methodist question, how is it with your soul? How is it with your soul? How would you answer? Your soul is that integrating part of you, the part of you that integrates your mind and your body and your spirit. Does your life have margin? Would you say, yes, I have space to breathe. Yes, my soul is nurtured and at peace. Yes, I am living in love of God and neighbor. No, I don't live at maximum capacity. We're here because we love Jesus and because we want to be with Jesus and become like him and do what he did. And what Jesus shows us is the fullness of what it means to be a human being. He shows us how to be a human. He shows us how to be us. He saves us from the destructive ways that we live. He saves us from a life that we live without limits. He saves us and shows us how life can be, what's possible when we live life with God, when we abide in God. Jesus lives with margin. Jesus practices limits. If you've still got your scripture open, look at the story today from Mark. Jesus has just healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law, and word gets out about the healing. People are desperate for healing of one kind or another, so people flock to Jesus, and you hear in the scripture that he heals not just a few folks, but an entire town of people. And he's just about to leave because he knows who he is and what he's there for. He's going to travel and teach and preach and heal some more. What does he do in between? In the morning when it's dark, Jesus gets up and he finds a quiet place where he won't be distracted or disturbed and he prays. 
Jesus gets away. And friends, this isn't the only time in his three years of public ministry that he does this. Throughout the scripture, we see that he goes to olive groves and, and uh, mountaintops and deserts and lakes. He practices things like solitude and silence, prayer and fasting. He practices time alone with his father. Where are you and I in this story? <laughs> I don't know, I feel like one of the disciples sometimes, people are looking for you, Jesus. <laughs> Hurry up, man. Maximize your time, your energy. You could be doing so much with this time that you are spending in prayer. You could be doing so much good with these hours. Think of all the people that you could heal, Jesus. Think of all the miracles that you could have performed. Think of the lessons you could have taught. But Jesus lives with margin. Jesus has limits, and he chooses time and time again to give the first best parts of his day to seek his Father's presence and his guidance. We want to be with Jesus, and we want to become like him, and we want to do what he did. And if Jesus was able in his earthly life to carve out demand in the midst of healing and teaching and preaching, could we? The question is, how? One of the ways that we could go is we could deal with the symptoms of our limitless world. We could like book ourselves a pedicure or get a massage or go to the spa for the day, take a mental health day from work, plan a really lovely three-week vacation. We could deal with the symptoms or we could deal with some of the root causes. We need margin. We need space. We need time and space to be, to be with God who nurtures and feeds our souls, time with the people who matter most, time loving and serving the folks that God has called us to love and serve, serving out of our giftedness, time by ourselves. We need daily and weekly and monthly and seasonal rhythms of margin. We need to practice our limits. Here's the good news, friends. God is God. You are not. God is limitless, we are limited. God is infinite and we are finite. We can't do it all. We can't be it all. We can't have it all. The best news of all is we're not meant to. It's not a failing if we can't be and do and have all of it. This is how God made us, actually. God made us with limits. We see this at the very beginning of the story of who we are in Genesis 1 and 2. God creates us to be finite, limited beings, and it's good. Our limits are good, God says. Our limits are a grace from God. They're a way that God loves us. They're a way that God cares for us. So the question is, how do we live with margin in a limitless world, a world that will always take more, that will always demand more, that will always expect more than we have to give? I see that there's two invitations from the scripture today. The first is to know your limits. And the second is to practice them. To know your limits and to practice them. First, know your limits. Do you see what Jesus says in the scripture after his time of prayer? Let's get up and go somewhere else. After all, that's why I'm here. Jesus knows what he's for. He knows who he is and he knows what he's there for. 
There's an author, uh, he's a Quaker, he's, his name is Parker Palmer, and he has a great line in his book called Let Your Life Speak. And he says this, one sign that I am violating my own nature, violating my own nature in the name of nobility is a condition called burnout, though usually regarded as the result of trying to give too much Burnout, in my experience, results from trying to give what I do not possess. Trying to give what I do not possess. Burnout is a state of emptiness, to be sure, but it does not result from giving all I have. It merely reveals the nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. The nothingness from which I was trying to give in the first place. So in other words, burnout comes from trying to be someone or something we are not. So hear me say, friends, who you are is a good gift from God. God made you to be you, unique in the body of Christ with specific abilities, spiritual gifts, resources, values, knowledge, experiences. God made you unique. God did not make you to be your neighbor or to be that social media influencer, or to be that kid at school. Do you know who you are and who you're not? Are you living inside your limits, living inside who you are, not what you will never be? Can you celebrate what you can do, what you do have, what you do know, what God has given you, what you have seen? Do you know what is yours to hope for, what is yours to dream? Or, or are we living limitless, from a place of nothingness in an endless pursuit of that which we cannot and never will have. Know your limits. When we try to be who God has not made us to be, we live outside our limits. Do you know your limits, who you are and who you aren't? Practice your limits. Begin to put margin in your life. This is where our least favorite word comes in. This is where we say no. This is very likely where we will resist. We don't like to say no. Do you like to say no? Maybe you get some sort of weird pleasure in saying no. I don't know. Maybe you're like my children who love to tell me no. They love it. It's so fun. No makes us feel like bad people. Makes us feel like we don't care enough makes us feel like we're not working hard enough because if we say no to that thing that we're supposed to be doing, what does that say about who I am? But I will say to you that your no is essential. I had a mentor who told me once, uh, be careful what you give your yes to. Once you've given your yes, it's real hard to get back. Our no is essential and it is a complete sentence. Practice your limit. A rule of life might help you with this. If you didn't get a rule of life uh, workbook, we've got them at the Welcome Center for you. We've got them online if you would like to access it that way. Look at what you're doing already and cut back. This is the spiritual discipline of simplicity. Look in your closet, look in your basement, look in your garage, look at your work schedule, look at your calendar, look at your activities, your commitments, your spending. Ask yourself, how do these plug into my key relationships, my key responsibilities, my key roles? How do these play into who God has uniquely called me to be? Focus on the calling that God has given, not you specifically, but all of us. Love God and love neighbor and cut back. Simplify. Look at what you need to be do and aren't doing. 
Are there commitments to your faith, key relationships, key roles, key responsibilities that God has called you to that you're not living fully into? Add in what is essential, what's missing. Time with God, time with those you love best, time with your neighbors, time loving and serving out of your giftedness. Look at what you could be doing and say no. Look at what you're already doing, what you need to be doing, what you could be doing, and simplify. Know your limits, practice your limits, live with margin. When we do, it makes it more possible for us to live in love, to love God fully, to love other people fully. We want to be people who live in love, I think, people who have a capacity for loving thoughts and loving actions and loving desires and loving practices. That's who I want to be. I don't know about you. This is the deep desire of our hearts, and it's really hard, the pace at which we live, to be that person unless we simplify. Living in God's graceful limit is a good gift that God gives us. So friends, my prayer for you, for me, for all of us is that we might live inside them by God's grace. Thanks be to God. Amen. Will you join me in prayer? You'll see that prayer printed in your bulletin. You'll also see it on the screen. Together we say to God, you are the source of all there is. You are the breath of life in our lungs. You are the vine from which we are nourished. Thanks be to you, O God. You are present in the night and in the day. You are present in the joy of each new morning and each day's sorrow. You are present in the quiet and in the chaos. You are present in connections, opportunities, disappointments, and limits. Thanks be to you, O God. In the pattern of this season, in the rhythm of our days, lead us into stillness that renews our life in you. Teach us the margins that set us free. Reveal to us the letting go that deepens our strength of soul. Thanks be to you, O God. Give us your grace as we seek to become, be with you, become like you, and do what you've called us to do. Amen.